God bless. Thank you, uh, Brother Marcus. Praise the Lord Church. Hallelujah. And I would like us to go straight into the Word of God. So we're going to start with the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. A verse that many of us probably know by heart, but it's nice to see it in the Word of God, whatever be the version that we have got. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I would also like us to go into Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, which is again a very well-known set of verses. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Shall we just commit this time into the Lord's hands, take a moment to pray and ask that God will minister to each one of us. This is God's church. This is God's time. We are God's people and God is our father. God is our teacher. God is our protector. So we just surrender ourselves into his hands and we say, God, Father, talk to us today. Whatever you have for us, Lord, Father, to build us up, to encourage us, to take us forward, to give us a hope for our future, Lord, Father. Father God, we ask that you speak to each one of us. Speak to our inner being, Lord, Father. Where we are down, Lord Father, I pray, Lord, that you will lift us up, Lord Father. Where we are confused, Lord Father, I pray, Lord, that you will give us clarity, Lord Father. Where there is doubt and despair, Lord Father, I pray, Lord, that you will set our feet on solid rock. Father, we commit this time into your hands. And we pray, Lord, that it is you who will speak to us. It is your word which will minister unto us, Lord. I thank you, I praise you. We give all glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now for almost seven months, we have been forced to live isolated lives, often seeing each other through these monitor screens, sometimes seeing only the screen but not a face, sometimes seeing an image and not a face, but yet that's the way we have been living for the last seven months. And for almost seven months, we have tried living in bubbles, avoiding all forms of personal contact. And for the past few months, we have talked of past years, we have talked about how beautiful and how blessed the previous years were. We have talked about how beautiful 2019 was. 
we have talked about how beautiful 2018 was when we compared it with this year that we want to forget, 2020. What we have done in the last seven months, living in isolation, wearing masks, taking precautions, socially distancing ourselves, is not wrong. I'm not saying that anything that we have done is wrong. It's just that we have had to do it. We've just followed the directives of those in authority. But brothers and sisters, the time has now come for us to look forward and to move forward. Enough of the present and enough of the past. It's now time that we move forward. And that's where when we look at Jeremiah 29:11, God says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And those are the words I want to focus on. A future. God is telling us that he wants to give us a future with a hope. We will not be having to live in these bubbles. We will not have to live in social isolation. We will do what the Lord wants us to do. That's for the future. But God is saying, prepare yourself for the future because I am going to give you a future with a hope. And this is also what Paul told the church at Philippi when he wrote in, in the book of Philippians. He said, forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. Don't look at your 2019. Don't look at your 2018. Don't even look at 2020. Start looking at 2021. Start looking at the years ahead. Paul is making that very clear to us. And God on top of that is telling us, I am going to give you a future with a hope. In many ways, you and I might, might not still know what tomorrow holds for us. Tomorrow is still a mystery in many ways. But there is one thing we know, and we know that God knows. Tomorrow is not a mystery to God. Tomorrow may still be strange to many of us. We may still be wondering what's going to happen tomorrow. But God knows. You may be discouraged with everything that is happening around you. But the time has come for every one of us to take a deep breath, to deal with our discouragement, and to move forward. Countries are tentatively opening up, and the economy is gingerly trying to creep out of the hole that it finds itself in. And God is asking us to look forward. God is simply saying, stop looking backwards. Stop looking to your right and your left. Just start moving forward, because I have a future for you. God is asking us to look with anticipation and a sure hope into our tomorrow.
and therefore the title of this afternoon's message is Onward into Tomorrow. Onward into Tomorrow. Looking into our tomorrows or looking forward is not about where we are. It is about the directions and the decisions that we consciously choose to take. Not looking back and saying, I miss those days. But taking a stance and saying, I'm going to go forward. God is calling me into a future. I'm going to look. What are those decisions that I have to take? What is the direction that I have to take? And we consciously take it, God, on our side. The past has happened. And there is nothing you can do to change it. There is nothing that I can do to change it. So let's not cry over spilled milk. Let's not try to blame this person or that person or look at this situation or that situation, this nation or that nation, this conspiracy theory or that conspiracy theory, this virus or that virus, this bat or that bat or this fish or that fish. Let's forget all about that. There's nothing you can do to change any of that. So let's not cry over spilt milk. But the future is yet to happen. And so, if you want to rise up from your rut, if you choose to conquer your circumstances, if you wish to face the future with fearlessness and faith, then today is the day to act. God has given you and me the potential to rise up, to roll up our sleeves and say, onward into tomorrow. However, let us be clear of one thing. We cannot move into our tomorrows if we hold on to our past. We cannot move into our tomorrows if we hold on to our yesterdays. We cannot march onwards into tomorrow if we choose to wallow in the sinking sands of self-pity. So the question is, what then should we do? Number one, visualize your future. Visualize in your mind. Visualize your future because God has said he is giving you a future. He's calling us into a future. So visualize your future. Proverbs 29 verse 18, we read these words and I'm reading it from the King James Version. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Let me focus on part one. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And again, if we turn to Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, what we read is this. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. And at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because 
it will surely come. It will not tarry. I'm just thinking a thoughts right now, and I'm going to ask you to do something because you're all in your homes. So hopefully you will have some paper and hopefully you will have some pens and pencils that write. So please take a piece of paper and write your vision for your future. How do you visualize your future? Go ahead, pick up a piece of paper. Write. Because God says, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. That he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It is not for today. The vision is for an appointed time. It is for the future. It is for your tomorrow. But at the end, it will speak. So write your vision because it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Write your vision. Now you don't need to show me that vision. You don't need to show that vision to anyone. Because it's the vision of how you visualize your future. A lot of you are writing. Many of you are not writing. And many of you I don't see. So I don't know. But let me also remind you of what we read in Proverbs 29 verse 18. King James Version. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Take it to heart. This is the Lord's word, it's not mine. You don't write a vision, there is no vision. And the word of God says, the people perish. Take God's word seriously. You need to visualize your tomorrow. You need to paint a picture of yourself standing in the future. Ask yourself this question. Where do you want to be tomorrow? Think of yourself as a movie director. What is that scene that you want to put up of the future? You need to seize your tomorrow, today itself. A painter always visualizes the painting she wants to paint before painting it. The painter doesn't just take some paint and throw it on a canvas and then hope that it will turn out into, a, into you know, some great painting. It's not like that. That painter, she's visualized the picture. She knows what she wants to paint. And then she starts putting up the layers and layers and layers of paint. She's visualized the picture before she has started the picture, the painting. A sculptor always sees in his mind the final finished product as he stares at a lump of clay in his hands. If you do not visualize the end product, what are you going to do? 
How are you going to turn it into what? So you've got to visualize. Now don't look at the chaos around you, but choose to visualize a beautiful tomorrow. A tomorrow that God is leading you into. A tomorrow of God's appointed time. A tomorrow where your God-given vision will become a reality. That's point number one. Visualize your future. Number two, pray into your future. Pray into your future. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, and let's read verses 1 to 5. Nehemiah, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never see, been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Those words that Nehemiah spoke to the king at that point were the result of an instantaneous prayer. It was not a long-winded prayer because the Bible portion just tells us, the king said, what do you request? And Nehemiah says, So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king. So he didn't go like Daniel to, to his chamber, open the window, and pray to his God. He was standing in front of the king. The king has asked him a question. Nehemiah couldn't walk out of there. He has to give an answer. What do you request? I have to give an answer. And so he gives an instant prayer and the answer is instant and Nehemiah is bold to say the answer. See, you need to pray into your future. He says, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. He had only that moment to pray before he answered. But in that prayer and in his answer to the king, we see that he prayed into the future of a nation. The walls may be crumbling around you, but you can pray into your future. You can pray for restoration. You can pray for rebuilding of all that is shattered around you. But when you pray, figure out what God wants you to do and then do it. You see, when Nehemiah prayed, 
he, he had figured it out that there needs to be a wall that had to be built. And God has already put those words into his mouth. May I go and build it? This is his question to the king. You see, so there is a task. Figure out what God wants you to do. When you pray, let not your prayer be one-sided. You put the prayer and then say, God is going to answer it sometime. No, wait for that answer. Figure it out immediately. Prayer is conversation with God. It's not a prayer list. It's not a list of things that I want. Prayer is talking to God. And then when we say, God is my father, wouldn't your father be offended if you just say something to him and then walk out before waiting for an answer? I will be offended when, if my son does that to me. I will be furious. When I'm ready to answer and he doesn't, he's not there to hear the answer. What about God? You've asked him a question. Look, pray to him. Figure it out with God, what God wants you to do. And then having heard from God, go and do it. But we also need to recognize something else. As we pray to God and as we figure out God's plan for our tomorrow, we need to recognize that his plan for our tomorrow may be very different from our own plans. It might be very different. And our plans may be plans that we have worked up over a lifetime, but God has a different plan. Just let go of your plans and take up God's plans. Just let go of your plans. As Paul says, they are like rubbish. Take up God's plans. They are infinitely better. So, number two, pray into your future. Number three, choose your priorities for your future. Choose your priorities for your future. Joshua laid out his priority for his future and that of his family when he said in Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 Joshua 24 verse 15 and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua is telling the people to prioritize. Make your choice. You want to worship, you want to serve the gods on the other side of the river? Is that your priority? You want to serve the gods of this land? Is that your priority? Or do you want to serve your creator God, your provider God, your protector God, your savior God, your healer God, your everything God. Prioritize. Prioritizing what you need to do tomorrow is a decision that you need to take now. You don't prioritize in the middle of the issue. You prioritize in advance. Your yesterday might have been a mess because your priorities were messed up. 
but choose to prioritize today if you want your tomorrow to be beautiful. Get yourself organized. Prioritize. Put number one, number two, number three. You know, even Jesus told us this. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. Again, X verses we all know. Jesus was asked this question. Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, I don't know whether we have looked at it this way, but look at it in the sequence that God is asking us to prioritize. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. You see the priorities? So even Jesus has given it to us in different ways. Love God. Number one. Number two, love your neighbor. Number three, as yourself, love yourself. So your next task is this. You got your paper? I hope you have. Below your vision, go ahead and write this. On that paper, write down your priorities for your tomorrow. Maybe three priorities. Put them in one, two, three sequence. I don't know. Place them before God and then align them with God's own plan for you. So write them down. You've written your vision. Now write down your priorities. What is number one? What is it number one that you want to do? Now I know that for you might have a priority like, you know, the, the seven billion uh, uh, population of the world needs to be saved. But I don't think that should be your number one priority. That's okay if it's God's priority. But I think your priority to make it a little better should just be, I want my spouse to be saved. That person is more important than the 7 billion people who are out in the world. I want my children to be saved. I want my parents to be saved. I want my brothers to be saved. I want my sisters to taste salvation. Put your priorities. All right, I hope you have done it. Again, I see some pens moving, some don't. So when you and God work together, remember this, when you and God work together, you cannot be wrong, and neither can your future be wrong. The question of when things go wrong is probably we have tried to do it alone. I've tried to do it myself. I've tried to do it my way. Things go wrong. But when you and God work together, you cannot be wrong. It cannot go wrong for you. And neither could your future get wrong. Because God himself has said, 
I am giving you a future with hope. So that's point number three. Choose your priorities for your future. Number four, focus into your future. Focus into your future. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 13, verses 30 to 33. Numbers chapter 13, verses 30 to 33. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Now, I don't know, maybe this is a season of alternate facts, but you just read, you just Try to analyze what these uh, 10 people have spoken. First thing they say is, the land through which we have gone as spice, is a, as spice is a land that devours its inhabitants. Devours means what? To consume, to eat. Didn't they go and come back? So the land did not devour them. And then they go on to say, and all the people we saw were men of great stature. So how did those people stay there? Weren't they devoured by the land? If they have said the land devours, so how, did the, how are those people staying there? You see, you know, when you decide to say an alternative fact, back it up with certain uh, uh, prop, proper statements. And then they go on to say, there we saw the giants, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now remember, these people are spies. Now I am a reader of novels. And I like to read spy novels. And I have not come across a situation where when spies go to a different place, they tell everyone that they are spies. They don't. That defeats the purpose. They go there and do things in hiding. They go there and do things in a way that they will not be seen or captured. Now here they say, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. That means all those people of great stature, those people in the other land, saw them. They saw them as spies, they saw them as grasshoppers, and let them go. And if you read a few verses earlier, you will see that they carried uh, on a stick huge trunks of grapes. 
Okay, but listen, this is the report that these people gave. Ten people. But Caleb and Joshua had a different report, and that's what they reported, reported to Moses. Now, why were there two different reports from these 12 spies? Hadn't they all spied out the same land? Hadn't they all seen the same things? Now, the difference is what they focused on. Caleb and Joshua focused on the inheritance that God had promised them. They did not focus on the land. They did not focus on the people. They just focused, this is the future that God is giving us. We have just come away from bondage, from slavery. And this is the future God is giving us. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Even the other ten people agreed with that. Joshua and Caleb, and Caleb is the spokesperson here, they did not see, they did not give importance to the big stature. They did not think that the land was a, was a devouring land. They said it's a land of milk and honey. It's a land which is rich in fruits. This is the future God is showing us. This is, you see, this is what they focused on. But the other ten spies focused on the people of the land and the difficulties they saw. What is your focus today? Where are you focusing? For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Don't let that go. It is God who is giving us a future and a hope for our tomorrow. Are we looking at our tomorrows through the promise and the promises that God has already given us? Or are we letting the current situation pull us down? Yesterday is dead and gone. Don't let your past sins, your past deeds, determine your future tasks and your future successes. The devil's job is to remind every one of us of our past. Jesus Christ has washed away our past. There is no past. You are a new creation. You are a new creature in Christ. So don't let anything of the past determine your future tasks and your future successes. A couple of years back, I had to interview one of our old students who had graduated from us, went abroad, he went and did his master's, he went and did his PhD, he came back and he was working in another hospital. And we wanted to get him across uh, to, to our side because we'd like to have these PhDs working with us uh, in order to, uh, to be part of the academic team. And uh, when I mentioned it to uh, a couple of my colleagues that you know, we are trying to uh, get uh, this guy over here and I'm, I've got an interview with him today, they all blew up. They said, don't do it. Don't get this guy here. I said, why? Because I haven't taught this guy. He, he graduated before I joined uh, the college. 
I haven't taught this guy. So I said, wait, what's wrong with this guy? He's, he's, uh, he's got a good uh, grade in master's and in his PhD. I know his bachelor's grade was not very good. Uh, they said, oh, he's a terrible guy. He's useless. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know how to do even basic tests. I said, fine. Thankfully, I don't know his past. So I stopped listening to my colleagues. I said, let me go for the interview. I interviewed this guy. Brilliant. He had a vision. He had things prioritized. He said, this is what he wants to do for his own life. This is the way he's, he envisages things for himself and his family. And I was thinking, if just 10% of our students can talk like this guy, we will give Harvard and Oxford and Cambridge and Stanford a run for their money. I said, what are people talking about this guy? People change. His past might have been bad, but his future was entirely different because he had worked on his present. So don't let your future, don't let somebody tell you that because you were a failure in the past, you will continue to be a failure. That's not the way it is. That's not the way God has planned your life and my life. Yesterday is dead and gone. Set yourself a goal and focus on it. But the key in goal setting is to ensure that your goal is aligned with the future that God has for you. Now Peter was able to walk on water as long as his focus was on Jesus. But he began to sink when he turned his eyes onto his surroundings. Today will pass. But let us hold on to God, focus on him and march on into our tomorrow. Sit with God and figure out what he wants you to do. Then go and do it. Number four, focus into your future. That was what we just looked at. Number five, believe God for your future. Believe God for your future. Hebrews 11 verse 1 states this. Again, a very well-known verse. And I'm reading it from the New King James Version. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. I like it a little better in the way it is written in the NLV, the New Life Version. Now, faith is being sure we will get what we hope for. It is being sure of what we cannot see. I like that, the way it's put in the New, in the new Life Version. Faith is being sure we will get what we hope for. It is being sure of what we cannot see. Sure is a word of confidence. It is I know for a fact. That's what it means. So looking into the future from our present chaotic world requires a great deal of faith and belief. But the key is to have confidence in God. That's what belief is all about, confidence in God. It is not about 
hoping that things will get better, but declaring with confidence that things will get better because God said it so. I have a future for you, a future with hope. This is what God said. I believe that God is honored when we take steps of faith, putting our trust completely in Him and not on our plans. But also please remember, there is a fine line between faith and foolishness. Faith requires that we trust God in all circumstances. Faith requires that we obey God at all times. Faith requires that we wait patiently at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Foolishness is rushing in where even angels fear to tread. Today, let us determine to be men and women of faith. Let us banish foolish thinking, foolish planning, and foolish actions. The next one is number six. Pursue your future. Pursue your future. Go after your future. And I'd like us to open our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 to to seven. And the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let us let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there. And he made the iron float. Therefore he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. I like those five words. Pick it up for yourself. God will make things happen in your life and in mine. God can work miracles. But he expects us to play our part as well. Don't sit back and say, God will take care of my tomorrow. And so I don't have to do anything. No, it doesn't work that way. God desires that you trust him. But you still have to pursue your dream. You have to chase your vision. And you have to put into action your God-given talents. Satan has deceived many of us into thinking that we just need to sit back and enjoy God working on our behalf. No, God never said that he is at our service, ready to jump up and do what we want him to do. He said that he will make the way. 
He said that he will clear the way for us. But we need to do what we have to do. Pursuing your future does not mean doing things in our own selfish ways. But it means to seek our tomorrows through divine direction and godly means. Pursue your future. And finally, number seven, invest into your future. Invest into your future. Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. In these verses, Jesus Christ gives us an important key to our future. Let's read these verses. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we need to invest into our future. Now, if you think about it for a moment, there are only two things worth investing in because they are eternal. And I am not talking about gold and I am not talking about diamonds. So what are those two things worth investing in because they are eternal? Number one, the word of God. Number two, the souls of men and women. Now, wait a minute. Some of you may be thinking, isn't there anything else that we should invest in? Yes, you are right. We should invest in the upkeep of our physical bodies, what we eat, our exercise, etc. We should invest in our God-given children because we are stewards. We should invest in everything that God has given us because, again, we have been asked to take care. We should invest in wise living as we learn from King Solomon, as he's put it out in Ecclesiastes. But remember, all these things are good, but they are temporal. They will die at some point of time. The only thing of eternal value worth investing in is the word of God and the souls of people. That's all that's going to last. In the three and a half years of his ministry on earth, Jesus taught the word of God and sought the souls of men. What are you and I investing in today? Do we read the word of God? Do we read the pure, unadulterated word of God? Whether it is the King James Version, the New King James Version, the NIV, the NLT, the Message, the Amplified Bible or any other version, but do we read for ourselves the pure, unadulterated Word of God? Or do we read paraphrased versions which somebody has taken time to read the Word of God, summarize it, take the points out of it, make it into nice sounding words and sending that across to us? The Bible doesn't tell us that any of those things are going to last. The Bible doesn't tell us that they are eternal. It 
Bible only tells us that the word of God is eternal. Joshua writes to us again in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Are you investing in God's word? David, in Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, and I, and I think these are the key verses in Psalms. He puts it this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. If Joshua can think about it and write it, if David can think about it and write it, why can't you and I read about it and read the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. That's the value of the word of God. Now let me give you a final, this final thought to contemplate upon as we close. We are tourists on this earth, traveling either to heaven or to hell. You may be a born again Christian, but what we invest in today determines whether we enter heaven as a poor man or a rich man. I am not even going to talk about what happens when you're on your way to hell. I'm not interested in that. I'm talking about those of us who are going to heaven, born again Christians, because all of us should be bound for heaven. That's where we should all be traveling to. But are we going to enter as a poor man or as a rich man? If all our investments if all our investments on earth are only towards our personal successes, our personal comforts and amassing wealth on earth, we will enter heaven with nothing except our faith. Because we can carry nothing into heaven. So we will enter heaven poor. We may be rich on earth, but we will enter heaven poor. But if we invest today, in the things of God, for the kingdom of God, winning souls for Christ, we shall enter heaven with crowns and rewards waiting for us. In fact, there was a, a song which came uh, many years back. Uh, it's not one of these newfound songs, it's an old song, which is Thank You. It's all the souls in heaven saying thank you to you because they are now in heaven because you invested in them. You won those souls for Christ. If you are a soul winner, you are going to enter heaven, a rich person. You may not have things on earth, but you will enter heaven, a rich person. Today, let us determine to invest in things of God and in things that matter to God.
let us build ourselves let us build ourselves up through the word of god let us win souls for christ for that is our only calling of eternal value church even as pastor francis is getting ready to close the service let me summarize our key points as we move onward into tomorrow number 1 visualize your future number 2 pray into your future number 3 choose your priorities for your future number 4 focus into your future number 5 believe god for your future number 6 pursue your future number 7 invest into your future brothers and sisters god bless you all